three, two, one. Hello, global citizens. Hi. Welcome to our inaugural episode of the new UN News Podcast. Uncomplicated. The UN News goals are to inform, engage, and inspire. We're going to do all that right here from UN headquarters in New York City. Have you ever wondered what the United Nations does and how it does it? If so, then this podcast is for you. Please make sure you subscribe, tune in again, hear all these great stories that we have to tell about the work that the UN does and all the impact that it has. We don't think there's a better way to start off than to kick off with the World Cup of Diplomacy, the General Assembly. Who wins? Everybody. That's right, Sinduja. We are going to be your all-access VIP pass and take you inside the building, give you a full-on tour, and talk to some visitors we've met along the way. How about that, Sinduja? I think that sounds great. Let's get to it. I think that, Dewal, you should tell us about your first time to the UN, right? What did you think? It was... Awesome. I, You were giving me a tour, and then we snuck onto an additional tour. That's very true. Which was a double tour. It was great. I think that, for me, every time I come to work every day, I look at the Secretariat building, and it's 38 floors high, and I really consider it this beacon along the East River. Yeah, it, it's, well, it's, it's beautiful in scale. In person, it is more impressive. All of the, the, the entire building and footprint, to me, it, it's even larger than you think. That's true. And I think it's, to be precise, it's 155 meters high. Nice. Uh, I love it. You had that stat in your hip pocket. Y- you can tell our non-metric audience. 510 feet. <laughs> there you go. Uh, did I ever tell you the story of why the UN is actually in Midtown East in New York? No. Because they're Rockefellers. Huh. Crazy, right? Really? So, so after, you know, after the, the World War II had ended and we knew or the global stage knew that they were going to set up the United Nations, they decided maybe, you know, since Europe definitely had to reconstruct after a war, that maybe we wouldn't actually have the headquarters in Europe, but we would have them in, in the United States. And quite a few cities uh, kind of put their bid in, like San Francisco. Sure. That was an initial meeting. Though, yeah. Right? Well, that's yeah. where the charter was signed. Yeah. And then even Philly wanted to get involved. But then um, Nelson Rockefeller, I think it was in 1944, had gone to this um, intergovernmental conference, but for um, American uh, states, kind of Mexico and, you know. Yeah. um, And came back and was like, cooperative governance is my jam. I might be paraphrasing, you know. (laughs) I would assume so. Just a little bit. And he basically then convinced his dad to buy these 18 acres along the East River, which at that time went for a mere $8.5 million. <laughs> and so the whole footprint was donated. Yeah. And so his dad, uh, Rockefeller's John, John Rockefeller, um, donated the land to the United Nations. And that's why we're here. That's awesome. So when we walked in and we saw all of these families like partaking, this is because a, a family decision. Yeah. A son convinced his dad yeah. to uh, just make this happen. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, that is very cool. Um, but yeah, like speaking of family stuff, like it felt very family oriented to me. We did come on a Saturday. That's true. Right? So. So yeah, there were a, more, a few more families than uh, maybe typical. Probably but... during the weekday. Yeah. Um, but it, it was great. And I think... And like we were kind of saying is that 
what I what I loved is that these world curious children were super excited to be at the United Nations. This was something that not just their parents were taking them to, but they actively wanted to come to as part of their New York tour. Yeah, and I hope this is you leading us up towards the family Thompson from Denmark. Our favorite family from Denmark, perhaps because they're the only family we know from That's Denmark. That's true, but we aspire to know more. That's true. Uh, and they were just, they were delightful. Um, and we asked the parents why it was so important for them to bring their family to the United Nations, yep, right? Yep. And then we also asked the kids, like, what's your favorite thing exactly. about being here? And we have the clip, right? Let's let's hear it. Let's play it. Why did you bring your kids to the UN? What did you want them to see? That there are some efforts in the world which strive to hold together a world which seems to be in conflict in many places. Yeah. Any any highs? Any highlights? What was your favorite, yeah, favorite thing? Part. It's okay if there was like ice cream or something, yeah, okay. and that was yeah, it. I like to, to see the pictures of the, the kids from other countries and their hopes and dreams for the future. Mm. That was very interesting. Yes. I like all the gifts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, there is ice cream if you want it. That's uh, true. There's all kinds of food down in the cafeteria. Uh, but, but that was great, right? Like you get to see the parental side of we want to make sure that our children are involved as global citizens. Mm -hmm. From the children's side, you get like real responses, you know, the, the very interested in people's hopes and dreams. And then another kid is like, I like gifts because yeah, we're on vacation. Exactly. And that's the best part of any vacation I take is I get to buy myself a present. And this is going to be our first apology on the podcast, but I have to apologize to the family Thompson. It's confessional time. It is. We promised them t-shirts. And you didn't deliver? I lost their information, but I'm sure they're listening to the podcast. Absolutely. right now. So if you're out there, Family Thompson, make sure that you email us. We'll give you our email at the bottom of the episode. So and please write to us. Please do, because we want to make sure that you get your t-shirts. And we'll send them express. Yeah. Uh, it was great. And it's actually kind of a nice little uh, way to segue into the first part of, of the tour that I took. That's true. Right? Because the artwork that um, the Family Thompson girl, the daughter, was talking about was this one day I will exhibit that that we saw um, that's both on the outside and then as you go into the lobby continues. And it was kind of magical, wasn't it? I, I would argue that it just grabbed us and pulled us over. That's very true. We both just started walking that way and there was a specific image that that captivated us both. Yeah, and it was this girl, Khadija, and she has this blackboard, this um, kind of slate, right, that yep. she's holding in her hand. And it's pretty nondescript um, un until you look at the fact that on the back of it, she's drawn in this beautiful white chalk, very, very finely done, that iconic um, global Apple logo. So now she's transformed her own blackboard into what looks like an iPad. Correct. The photo is just aspirational. Yeah. It, it shows this is a child with some big hopes and big dreams, right. right? Should we read? Should I read the quote? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Again, this is Khadija, age 15, who's a Nigerian refugee in Chad. And she says, I want to work in IT to learn and share knowledge. I was born in a remote village in northeastern Nigeria with no school and no clean drinking water. What I have learned is that with the internet, even if you don't know something, somebody in the world has what you need. It is the best way to share knowledge. Oh, and by the way, just to give credit, that photo was taken by one Vincent Trumo. That's correct. And it was part of an exhibit that the Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs had put together. 
And I just, I'm still blown away, Diwal, right? Like, it's just image after image of these girls talking about how they're going to grow up and be amazing human beings, empowered, and just be active citizens of this world. Yeah, and so this is right up top. We've already met the family Thompson from Denmark. We see this beautiful art exhibit, and we should note that there's art everywhere. Yeah. Wonderful exhibits from all throughout the globe. Open the doors, and you walk into the physical space, right? We walk up, we take this red elevators to the third floor, and then we had to go into the general assembly. And we had to be quiet because we snuck into a tour with a bunch of kids. Yes, that's true. And we totally piggybacked on their fun times. It was great. It was amazing. I don't know. What did you think when you walked into the space? It's very large. It felt like if you go to a sporting event really early and you walk into like the Madison Square Garden, but no one's in there. I mean, it is the World Cup of Diplomacy, right? It is. That's correct. But it just... It was, it's very large. It's a four-story atrium. Yeah, and it's, you realize, like, there are so many huge global decisions being made in this room. In this room, yeah. yeah. But let's paint the picture a little bit. So we have this huge space. It's four stories. On all these levels are, at the very bottom, are, are where the countries are going to sit, the delegates from those countries. And then yes. and as the floors go up, all of the support, you know, all of their, their staff are kind of going to be sitting. And all of these other organizations that are invited have place at, at different points in the room. And, um, and interpreters. And there's a ton of people that go into this room. Exactly. I estimate a very large catering bill if you were yes. if you were catering very the general true. assembly. Yes. And I think what's really special are when we were there, can we saw it empty, but in a few weeks it's gonna be a full house because the General Assembly kicks off it's the third Tuesday in September. Third Tuesday in September. And so this year it's September seventeenth, if I remember correctly. And because the GA is not just a place, it's an event. Right. It takes place every year from September to December is what's called this main part. And it's the general debate and what kind of the bulk of what the six committees that make up the General Assembly actually do. It's amazing because these six committees basically discuss everything. I have like a uh, why don't you cover the, what they discuss quick and then I have a question. All right. I might have an answer. So six committees discuss everything from disarmament and international security, economic and financial matters, social, humanitarian and cultural issues. There's a special political committee that deals with issues like decolonization. And then finally, you have two committees that deal with the administrative and budget side and then the legal side for these international treaties that do come out of the General Assembly. And when you think about how special it is that this is every single country, all 193 of them that are part of the United Nations, get to each have an equal say in the matters that are discussed uh, on the floor. So in its simplest form, uh, the statement that our tour guide made, one country, one vote. One vote, vote. exactly. Right? Right. So I view this as a giant family kitchen table. Yes. uh, Sort of like where you're just going to hash things out, talk about it, discuss it, right? So my question is, who sits where? How do they decide, like, Okay, this is your location because that's tough enough at my family kitchen that's table. That's true, right? Who's going to yeah. sit at the head? Who's got the the first seat right. in the first row? I think it's really sweet. I think it just shows again how how much of an effort the United Nations makes to to have this equality amongst countries in this very 
public stage, an arena. And so what they actually do is draw a lottery. And so they just kind of pull uh, a a country out of a hat, you know, and um, this is how I'm imagining it. (laughs) And and they read out the country and who whatever country that is, that country gets to sit in the first seat of the first row. And then after that, they go alphabetically in English. So, right. So, for example, if they picked, um, I don't know. Oh, so last year, last year, the first country was Mali. Okay. And then after that, it would be whoever comes after Mali uh, in alphabetical order. Alphabetical from M. From M. All the way down. Yeah, and all the way back. Isn't that cool? Oh, that is really cool. Yeah. I feel like they should have that on television, sort of like the NBA Oh, like the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be great. That was the only sports reference that I can make. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's really cool. I think that's a very uh, diplomatic way to make that decision, too. Very fair. So one of the reasons, like you said, that we had to be so quiet uh, in the General Assembly was because we kind of took a tour. Yeah. We, we didn't actually, we kind of joined a tour. Yeah, we, do, we tagged along with a group of kids who learned one specific item that has been decided yeah. in, at, at the, in the General Assembly. And they were captivated. I mean, all of these kids were sitting there and not a single one of them was looking on their phone. They were just really completely absorbed in the story that the um, yeah. that the tour guide was saying, which was a little bit about what? Go ahead. And he talk. was talking about the anti-landmine yeah. treaty, right? Yeah. And it was essentially there were, uh, if you go back about 25 years ago, there was an estimated 26,000 deaths per year um, by landmine, which is a staggering number. And over 80% of those deaths, or right about 80% of them were civilians. And a large number were women and children. I know, which is, I mean, it's crushing because these are people who obviously had nothing to do with those landmines being in the ground. And they're the ones who are the most affected by their presence. And maybe you can speak to sort of like the steps of the process. Mm. But I thought it was very telling that you have to start somewhere and take step one. And this sort of gained momentum throughout the years, the anti-landmine treaty, right? Exactly. And like you said, in order to get to a point where we have a treaty, somebody has to say, let's talk about this issue in the General Assembly. And so they started talking about it in 1993. And it was the 79th resolution of that year, which basically said, "Okay, we're going to start to convene And this is officially putting this issue on the table for us as a General Assembly, as a world, as a set of United Nations to discuss. Step one. Yeah. And then the next year, which was the 75th resolution of that General Assembly, they said, "Okay, let's commit to stop exporting these landmines. And so this is kind of the beginning of the process to killing the market, right? Because if you stop your supply, then hopefully you'll you'll affect your demand. Yeah, step two. And then in kind of the next couple of years, what you have was a international ban. And then eventually you have this anti-landmine convention that was passed in 1997, which eventually became a full international law. And those are steps three and four. And I should say, like, we understand things happened in between here. Right. Of course. But it all starts with... Inside the General Assembly, people talking about and agreeing on something. The other part I liked about the tour that I learned, it doesn't mean that it is 193 countries to zero to get something done. Even in this instance, uh, there were 122 countries who signed on initially. Exactly. Not everybody was on board. uh, But more can come on. So, for example, currently, 
there's 164 countries now who have ratified. Exactly. Well, what was the outcome? Let's talk about the outcome a little bit. It's pretty amazing. So, you know, over the years of this discussion, they came up with the law. They have very specific outcomes, which were agreeing to stop sales, agreeing to stop production. So they've kind of killed the market. And then the final commitment was to the removal of the landmines that were already in the ground. If I remember correctly, they destroyed over 48 million landmines within the last 20 years. Isn't that amazing? I mean, all of these countries got together and all of a sudden you went from having 26,000 deaths a year in the mid-90s to 48 million mines no longer in the ground. Yeah, I think you could easily say that they have saved over a quarter of a million lives in the last 20 years. I mean, how cool is that? When countries get together, lives are saved. Think big, take the first step, and just keep going. And keep going, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, for me, what the UN is all about is taking these small steps to achieve something great in the end. And coming up, I mean, right now, a perfect example of that is, like we were saying, the GA is going to kick off in a couple of weeks, and that first part of the General Assembly is what's called the general debate. And the major important item, distinction that I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's well, why would you? I mean, yeah. it's, you know, you're, you're you don't actually work at the UN, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the major item on this agenda is the Sustainable Development Agenda, which was passed in 2015, just a few years ago. And again, this is member state driven. So what that meant was. These are 17 themes, 17 visions, 17 goals, which are the sustainable development goals. Hashtag global goals. There you go. And hashtag UNGA. Hashtag UNGA. Unga. There we go. Yeah, so the SDGs, they come up everywhere and always. I mean, we're looking at them right now in studio. They're in the studio. There is a poster up of the 17 sustainable development goals. When I came to the UN today, I went in to wash my hands and I went to dry them. And here is sustainable development goal 12, responsible consumption and production in reference to paper towels versus hand dryers. And the result is one third as much carbon being emitted, eliminates paper waste and reduces water consumption. You find these things all the time, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but there is a natural alignment between these sustainable development goals and individuals' behavior. Sometimes they don't have to be thinking about the goals to be working towards them. And I think that really speaks to how the goals came into effect because, again, this was member state-driven, but not just that it was member state-driven in the General Assembly, but rather that each of these countries went back to their own countries and said and asked, "What, what should we do? What should we place emphasis on? And the next year at the General Assembly, they came back and said, OK, this is what we concentrate on. And I remember I joined the UN actually the year that the, the Sustainable Development Agenda was passed. And I remember that year-long discussion that we had had. I was working in Chile at the time. And what was important to the countries of Latin America and the Caribbean? What did they want to concentrate on? What were the targets that they wanted to focus on? And, and what did they then wanted to show progress towards? Because really, these 17 goals are for the people and for the planet in order to achieve peace and prosperity. And it's important to note there that this comes, what you're saying, is from the bottom up, exactly. it sounds like. It exactly. comes from the people of the countries exactly. speaking to their delegates, exactly. their delegates getting together at the General Assembly during the general debate and coming up with this right. and, and now reviewing this year. Right. And so for the first time, all 17 of them will be reviewed, which is pretty exciting. And like you said, they're not abstract. They're not this nebulous 
sort of policy policies, you know. Um, no, you, you see people living them every day. You, when you have discussions at the UN, when you talk to visitors, for example, you, you hear people talking about them, even if they're not referencing the, the goals directly. Specifically, yeah. yeah. And I think one of the best examples that we heard were when we entered actually the UN, right? We heard this- The choir. The choir. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. beautiful um, children's choir choir called One Voice, which they're kind of famous. They, they're really famous. I didn't, yeah. They, and just wonderful kids and even uh, equally wonderful parents who were so kind to take some time and talk, and to, talk us. to us. And they were, yeah, they were singing in the lobby. <laughs> The line that captured us, right, because we, as you said, we'd kind of been seeing the, the SDGs everywhere, and, and we first entered the UN lobby, and we heard them singing. Let there be peace on earth, and, and let, let it, it begin, begin with, with me, was the, the line. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and that's the first thing that the, the SDGs are about, is kind of to ultimately contribute to peace and prosperity, and, and it was really beautiful. And when we actually got to talk to a couple of the kids, we yeah, talked to Denver. this one. Denver, talk, yeah. yeah. Denver Craft. Yeah. Should we play the clip, and then let's just talk about it? I think we should. Yeah. Um, like, of course they teach me, like, the stuff for turning the water faucet off when you brush your teeth, but I think... What they've taught me is that, like, it's not really, like, the things that you do. It's more of, like, the mindset. Because if everyone says, oh, no, it's just, like, one person, then no one will be doing it. Yeah, I mean, all it takes is just one person to do one small thing. And that's really what that song's about, if everyone... If we just had everyone just say, I'm going to do this one small thing, then everything would get done. That's great, right? The mindset. Exactly. Right? Speaking about the mindset, uh, one small thing is sort of like the first step. It's the first step. It's bringing the anti-landmine issue to the table. It's bringing the idea that we want to have a sustainable development agenda in order to make sure that this planet is there for future generations to come. Right. I think by people doing one small thing, that's where you get a collective whole that the United Nations and the General Assembly leading up to something like the Landmine Treaty. That's where that comes from. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, bottom up. Speaking of somebody who's kind of actually engaging in a project that's related or that's aligned naturally, right, with the Sustainable Development Goals, we talked to this wonderful woman from Brazil, Elido Santos. Uh, yeah. And she's from Salvador. And um, let's hear a little bit of our conversation with her. Mas eu vim para aqui para apresentar o meu empreendimento que é um absorvente biodegradável, o primeiro absorvente biodegradável do Brasil. So she was saying that she was doing a presentation about Brazil's first biodegradable absorbent pad. Wow. And that's what she was here presenting on. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I have like I can't even wrap my head around all the questions that I want to ask. Obviously, I was you were just a little excited about talking to her. I mean, that's my jam. Yeah, exactly. She's generating a product. She's designing a product that is for women, kind of making sure that you're addressing a part of the population that has been quite often left out of 50% of the population that's you know been left out of some of these issues. And not only that, she's she's developing something that's um, that's biodegradable, right? That is not going to contribute to the constant landfill issue that we have. Um, it, 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 touches on so many sustainable development goals. Absolutely. And I should add, while we were recording this, 
Ellie Dos Santos is speaking about empowering women in her community mm. and working towards developing this product. And the bookstore is behind you, mm-hmm. and there's a big sign That's right. with Sustainable Development Goal number five that says gender equality. I know. I mean, it's if only we had had a camera crew at that right. moment. Yeah, but it was it was amazing to see, you know. And it, it is a, it, it's a classic example of how people eat, live, and breathe these goals at the UN. Right. It's a credo. It's not a lecture, but it's. It's, True engagement. Yep. And her speaking, not referencing the goals, maybe not even knowing what they are. Exactly. What the sustainable exactly. development goals are, speaks to the natural alignment with so many people out there trying to do these amazing things and take their first steps to be able to take bigger steps. And I think that teases up really well for our next episode, right, Dewal, where we're going to actually talk to people who are engaged with these UN projects who are trying to move forward in their own SDG-related projects and now are combining forces with the UN and what that looks like. Yeah, totally. We'll talk to those people. We'll discuss their partnerships. and Because we're going to be at the GA. We're going to be at the General Assembly. Yeah, it'll be great. That was your tour, Dewall. It was almost as fun to relive it as it was to take it. Uh. But I have to tell you, there's nothing like the experience. I can't recommend it enough. If you get to New York City, please come and take a tour. So I think we'll wrap it up. Yeah, we've, we wanted to say the hashtag. Oh, hashtag UNGA. Hashtag UNGA. Hashtag UNGA. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Uncomplicated. Stay tuned because on our next episode, we'll actually be at the General Assembly and General Debate doing a day in the life of a delegate, getting to hear what it sounds like when UN policy is debated. We've also got a great episode lined up about... Office of Outer Space Affairs. Yes, and we're actually going to be talking about asteroid mining. Don't forget to head over to UN.org for more information on how you can sign up for a UN tour and everything else going on at the United Nations. Make sure you follow, heart, and share us on SoundCloud using the hashtag... UNGA! UNGA! Hunger. Thanks so much to SoundCloud for hosting us, Connor, Carlos, and Kyle for all their production help, Matt and Mitha for letting us take over UN News, and if you're listening, Family Thompson... Sorry! Please email us at contactnewscenter at UN.org, and everyone else should email us too to tell us how fun you think we are and anything that you might want to hear about on the podcast. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.